Scuba Obsessed, a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear to places to dive and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed, episode 388, is recorded live November 22nd, 2018, Thanksgiving. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan, where I think winter's here about two weeks early. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. It is very chilly out there tonight, a gorgeous full moon, and uh, really makes the air chilly tonight. Yeah, it's a, it's a little brisk. They're saying it's supposed to warm up tomorrow, so they were saying that we may see the 40s and that's in uh fahrenheit not celsius if it was in the 40s we'd be complaining the other way it was too warm well i don't know i'm gonna do a football game again tomorrow night evening but this time i'll be in ford stadium in detroit yeah you're gonna be nice and and warm there hopefully uh dwajek does a little bit better than uh the lions did today (laughs) did you you watch that i watched the lions and the uh the cowboy uh yeah. Bears. Bears. It was a bear. And then yeah. we watched the Cowboys. Yeah. 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 The, the, the Lions uh, do what they always do, which is lose. And they, <laughs> uh, they, they, they uh, like to give it away. You know, make, make it all the way to about the fourth quarter and then self-destruct. Uh, I like to see Spafford uh, get, you know, there, there, there should be a deduction for every interception he throws. Yeah, I, I think he was the uh, highest-paid quarterback, and he wasn't didn't quite look like he was earning it today. He, he does have some amazing shots, though. I saw a few. So, but well, we all have I, a bad day sometime. Yeah, yeah. Like like the Bears kicker the week before. Did you hear about that one? No. Oh, about uh, four out of five uh, kicks uh, to the goalpost to hit the upright, and they went out. <laughs> really, four yeah. out of five. Four out That's of five. That's highly unusual. It's highly unusual. Yeah, he he'd hit the right, then he'd hit the left, and then he hit the right, and then they uh, there was another opportunity for uh, an extra point, and instead of kicking, they they tried for two. <laughs> Didn't do any better either, huh? No, I don't think they did any better. But uh, wow, yeah. So th- there's, uh, I think that's the one time in the show we've talked about football, other than Dwajak, but Dwajak. Uh, yeah, that there that's the big show. That's the the finals. There's a state championship state competition. Yeah. So and there and uh, I've heard a rumor that they're projected to win. You mean you're talking about Dwajek or Eddie yeah. the Edwardsburg? Oh I, I said Dwajek. Edwardsburg. Yes, Edward, yeah, I was gonna say we beat we we beat uh, Edwards or uh, Dwajak earlier. Right. Yeah, Edward. yeah, I I was they're one of those schools east of Berrien Springs. Yeah, that's, yes. You know, once you get east of Berrien Springs, I, I kind of lose all geography. Yep, I'm hoping the Eddies win. That will be state championship. My uh, nephew's a senior this year, so uh, he'll go out in style. It's one of those items you, you will always remember that. Yeah. Well, I saw an interview with their coach, and I'm like, I know that guy. <laughs> Kevin Bartz is their coach. 
Uh-huh. And I went to school with him. Oh my goodness. So his, yeah, his his uh dad is uh was the middle school principal in Bering Springs. I didn't and, know that because he sat in front of me game before last. Yeah. And his brother and you know I live in the middle of nowhere and you know neighbors are a mile apart. His brother lives across the street from me. Huh. enough. If I wasn't in the in the bunker in the basement, I'd be able to see his house. So yeah, that's uh yeah, I, I heard Kevin talk and I'm like, gosh, that that looks familiar. I recognize that guy. So, but the the they the kids did an excellent interview on on TV. So, good job to them, and hopefully they pull it out. I'd like to see it because I don't think this side of the state has had anybody win in a at, long time. At no matter what level, you know, yep. a a through D, I don't think anybody's had a has even come close. They usually, and, and that's even playing in Ford Field. I think usually they're everybody's out by now. So, yeah, I'd like to see him bring it home and be able to ha- hang that banner. Yes, nice. Well, I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room, which right now is nobody, which is not surprising considering that you probably should be spending time with your family and not listening to two old guys talk about uh, scuba diving. Uh, here in the United States, it is Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving's a little early this year, being on the 22nd, so that gives us an extra three or four days to obsess about shopping before the Christmas holiday. And, and maybe what we'll have to do for one of these episodes coming up is do a, a gift guide or a list or something. I think we talk about that every year. Yep. Uh, well, 32 days till Christmas. Yep. And I think next week and uh, we'll, you know, watch the social media. Uh, but no, maybe it's not next week. Next week is I'm trying to add seven days. Oh, so not next week, the following week after next week, in December, the first uh, Thursday in December. Which is the 6th. The 6th. Uh, we've got an interview. Uh, oh, okay. So we'll we'll have that coming up. So we, not to say we won't have one next week, but I've got one for sure booked for the first week in December. So looking forward to that. So let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. The first article up is uh, a follow-up. We've covered this one a few times over the years. And I couldn't quite grasp what was new on this one, but they're saying that the missing piece of the world's oldest analog computers found in the Aegean seabed, and what we're referring to is the Antithakira mechanism. Uh, recent discovery indicates that just an, yet another piece of the puzzle leading to complete understanding device is related to an artifact found in 2017, the bottom of the GNC in Greece. Uh, the device, uh, which is the Antithakira, mechanism was uh, expected to be made or they're they're thinking it was made about the late second century BC in Greece for the purpose of predicting astronomical astronomical positions and eclipses for the calendar. It was believed to have power to predict such astrological events decades in advance. It also confirms the thesis that the Greeks were aware of the heliocentric system in which the earth revolves around the sun and not the other way around, which is about 1,700 years before uh, Nicholas Copernicus uh, stated the theory. Uh, initial, initially, parts of the mechanism were discovered in 1901 by accident when a group of sponge divers encountered it during one of their dives in the island to which it earned its name. They immediately took to find to archaeologist Valero Steus, who separated the pieces and studied the components at the National Archaeological Museum in Athens. Although hailed as one of the world's first analog computers, the device is also known for the first known orony, 
a mechanical model of the solar system created for predicting or simply illustrating positions and movements of the planets. And in this article, they have a nice diagram kind of showing all the gears and what the rotations uh, were. Did they say what that's made of? I think, wasn't it bronze? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm going from memory, and I'm looking. You see some green tint to it, so we've got yeah. copper, brass, or bronze. But I don't I don't think brass was quite developed by then, was it? don't remember. Uh, okay, now I'm scrolling through the article. And they go on. They talk about. There's one. There's got to be another one somewhere out there. Oh yeah, this was not a single item that was made, and there were other. I I think this is just was in a situation where it was discovered. Uh, mm -hmm. The site where the shipwreck was found is the very beginning of the 20th century. is located in the Aegean Sea near the Antarctica, approximately 25 miles off the westernmost tip of Crete. It provided archaeologists numerous priceless discoveries, such as coins, statues made of bronze and marble, uh, sarcophagus lids, and some ancient furniture. So I'm guessing it probably would have been bronze. It says so later when you get down. Okay. Uh, It said, unfortunate location is often visited by looters who thoroughly stripped it of countless other artifacts. Nowadays, there are suggestions that the disc retrieved in 2007 near the site might have been the missing link to shed New light exactly how the mechanism worked, although the disc, which is made of bronze and is eight centimeters in size, may be another piece in origin. Very, the very speculation that it might belong to the Antithecura mechanism attracted a lot of media attention using X-ray technology. It's concluded the disc contained engravings of a Taurus, the bull, indicating it may have some sort of astronomical role. The detail goes in favor of the claim that the artifact is a missing piece of the mechanism. However, scientists are still searching for further evidence. Sarah Bond, associate professor at Classic University of Iowa, gave a statement regarding the artifact and the Antithecura mechanism in general for the Greeks' website, uh, Neocosmos. The Antithecura mechanism is an important object in the historical record of ancient technology, but is also a prism for tracking the development of archaeology as a professional field. She further explained that the approach they are currently using to reconstruct a device involves some of the cutting-edge technology of today. It revealed the advanced astrological instrument created and used for ancient engineers, but protracted nature of the undersea dig reveals archaeological advances in scanning, 3D modeling, and many other sophisticated approaches in reconstructing and analyzing the computer. So whatever the case may be, it could lead to a breakthrough one that altogether changes the way we perceive ancient civilizations and knowledge that existed prior to the Middle Ages. And this goes with my theory is that we like to think that our ancestors were idiots. I think well, I don't much... know about who thinks that, uh, especially well, they... looking at the pyramids and then looking South America, Mexico. It, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Well, we, we want to, how many times do we hear somebody say that uh, they couldn't have figured it out? It had to have been aliens. Well, the one I always like is I say they didn't have lights <laughs> back in those. Days. Uh, you know, he had torches. Yeah. So when it was night, it was dark, and you could see the heavens above, and you mm-hmm. could study them, and you could actually, you know, people over the years near the locations, they observed the heavens. I mean, something to do. Yep. 
And uh, it also helped you know when seasons were changing. You know, once you figured out that there's an annual calendar and when this star is over here and that's over there and this happens, then we're this time of year. Yeah. Then it gave you an incentive to look for that. Oh. So, okay, let's see what what else we have on the list. We have uh, Stand Up for Great Lakes Donates to Shipwreck Museum. Uh, on November 10th, the Stand Up for Great Lakes team, Quinn Morris, Jeff Guy, Joe Lorenz, 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 okay, Lorenz, joined the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum staff and board members for a small presentation in the 1920 order life at Whitefish Point. Always a special day at the museum. November 10th marks the anniversary of the sinking of the 729-foot Great Lakes freighter Esmond Fitzgerald. This year marked the 43rd anniversary of the ship sinking. While this day events the Shipwreck Museum are more reflective nature and time to celebrate a remarkable project, an extremely generous donation. Many of you remember the build up to an ultimate success full paddleboard crossing Lake Superior by the stand-up for Great Lakes team this past July. The Shipwreck Society participated in a supportive role by providing RV David Boyd as a support vessel. Each year, Stand Up for Great Lakes, a nonprofit organization, raises funds for important environmental protection, focusing on the lakes great and small. They also choose fellow nonprofit each year to partner with and the recipient of their fundraising efforts. GLSHS was their choice in 2018 and generated $15,000 in donations. It is difficult to say as a nonprofit how important such a donation is to us, stated GLSHS Executive Dresser, uh, Director Bruce Lynn. After a late afternoon presentation ceremony, we have so many projects underway, donation, donations. This will help us tremendously. During the July paddleboard crossing in Lake Superior, a team of Morris, Guy, Lorenz laid a biodegradable wreath at the site of the sinking of the Edmonds Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald rests in 530 feet of water and is 17 miles northwest of West Point, Westfish, Whitefish Point. I'm making up landmarks. They also recovered a long white paddleboard during, uh, while paddle, they also recovered a log while paddleboarding across Lake Superior, which ultimately was engraved with a record of their crossing, which also donated to the Shipwreck Museum. This log will eventually be displayed at the museum. That's a, that's a, good amount of money to be donated 15,000 yeah i was wondering what that was uh the picture at the start of it I, at first i thought it was an rov there. well yeah i did too and then i looked at the front it looked like somebody did the uh an engraving of the fitzgerald on the north on the end to the right yeah and then yeah. stand up so it made more sense when they started talking about it and i looked at the picture yeah <laughs> But it is um, about the right size. They had, uh, I don't wonder how much they rounded it and how much is just the where the log floating in the lake. Yeah, because initially I thought it was something like a mast they had found or something. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great news for both of them. Well, yeah, $15,000 donation is nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. And then we have uh, a potential show we might want to look out for, but I did a little bit of research and I can't find it anywhere. So this was a website filmora.co.uk and uh, they the interview was with actress Autumn Kendrick uh, Life Before Los Angeles an hilarious new show called Scuba Love and I, I couldn't find it and I'm not going to read the interview because it's really not all that interesting um, 
but just to kind of uh, take one piece, at, uh, and they're asking her what uh, the show Scuba Love was, and it says, uh, Scuba Love came from spending time in so many dive shops and thinking either someone needs to make a reality show on a dive shop or make it into a scripted comedy. Finally, I grabbed some courage and friends who are cinematographers and directors who also love the dive world, sat down and said, let's make this. Now, instead of seeing hilarious interactions and thinking that should be a skit, I jotted down for a future scene in Scuba Love. And it says it's a comedy that follows a young female instructor who loses her job and her boyfriend in one fell swoop and decides to jump in the pool and make her life about scuba and begins working at her local dive shop. We follow character Allie as she helps bring a large scuba shop up to date while also facing a male-dominated world as we follow her life and get introduced to the wonderful joy of the underworld. The exciting feature of this series, besides being the only script series, scripted series about scuba diving, is with each episode, there's an educational clip on the topic related to diving, to be how to clean your gear, steps to protect our oceans, interviews with crew on why they love scuba diving. Yes, everyone involved is a diver. So that could be a potentially interesting show if we can figure oh, out yeah. where to see it. Because we've all kind of thought that. It doesn't matter what industry you work in, whether it's retail or business. Uh, you, there's just certain things that you just find so silly or out of place uh, that th- that should be made into a comedy. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have to look it. for that and see what uh, we can dig up on. Yeah. Well, and it, I, I looked on IMDb, and it is genuinely listed as a show uh it looks like they're they're kind of in middle of filming now so maybe it hasn't been released uh, i did see a movie poster and it said something like uh october 2018 so i don't know if that was something that they made before they started production and had the dates a little bit off or but this article was from the 20th so what's that make that that's a couple days ago mm-hmm. so uh well, let's keep an eye from it. Uh, hopefully sure. it's good. And then this one, I've seen a few articles. The next two articles will kind of combine them together. But it's a recent discovery. And I've probably been right over this wreck and we never even knew it. Uh, this is a 90-year-old shipwreck caused by herd of cows discovered in Lake Huron. International team of shipwreck hunters announced their discovery in Manaso, a steel steamer that sank in Lake Huron 90 years ago this fall, a deadly tragedy blamed in part by the shifting of a herd of cows it was faring from the island to the mainland. 178-foot steamer sank abruptly September 15, 1928. 16 of the 21 people on board died along with 115 cows and one bull that had been loaded onto the boat from Canada's Manitoulin Island, which lies east of Michigan's Drummond Island in the UP. And that's why I say I've probably been over it because I've been both the Manitoulin and Drummond. Um, you know, my grandparents, that was one they used to like to go every year uh, around the state and they would head over to Canada and then head down and come in through, uh, what was that, Port Huron down there. Yeah. Uh, so, and this is, I mean, it's it's a beautiful area. I mean, if you get the chance to go and do it. Uh, it says, on June 30th of this year, shipwreck hunters Ken Merriman, Jerry Eliason, both from Minnesota, and Chris Cole from Windsor, Ontario, found the, found the Manasu sitting in just over 200 feet of water near the Georgian Bay port of Owen Sound. Uh, 
They described the wreck as amazingly intact, with their pilot house and unusual midship staircase seemingly untouched. With their permission, they are sharing some of the dive photos to the Manasu and have pulled together some information and witness accounts from this unusual Great Lake shipwreck. The Manasu was named the Macassa for most of her 40-year lifespan. The ship carried vacationers and cargo between Toronto and Hamilton. Two of the electronic uh, wreck hunting devices on board the boat each shows a different angle of the found shipwreck. And you look at that, and that the way it's sitting, it kind of reminds me of the Ann Arbor Number no. Five. It's not quite as uh, at as severe of an angle. Uh, do you think that's just how it sat, or is there something else going down there? Is it just because the back end's kind of broken down that it's? I think it's way because the back end's broken down. I do know I saw the video of this already, and some of the still pictures you have in this article are just fantastic. I still haven't figured out why, when you look at the wheelhouse from the opposite side that you don't see in the picture you have here, the Uh wheel is not encrusted, but everything around it is. Huh. And then the back end of it, in that one pictorial, that must have been where all the cows were. The, the cows were. It, it was really heavy. It must have went down aft in first, stern first, because the yeah. stern is crushed. Yeah, and but I, I kind of think so. I think it probably was totally intact. Yeah, yeah, amazing condition for when it went down. Yeah, did you take a look at the video of it yet? No, I have not had a chance to watch the video, but I've seen the, it, the photo, it's awesome. and it's a yeah the uh, yeah. So this is in dive. This is diveable depth down there at two hundred feet. I mean, it's technical, but. Uh, you can get on it, and 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 I'm see I'm looking at the one photo where they're looking in the bridge. You got the diver peeking in the front window there. Yeah, and that's yeah. In the video though, it does show two ba- uh, two of the lifeboats, and I don't know why did not the boats float off since they're you know perfectly flat on the bottom. When it sank, mm-hmm. why didn't they just float off? Because they seem to be clear of the davits. I, it's amazing how stuff falls sometimes. Just it goes straight down. It just goes straight down, and at two hundred feet, you're you're. It's you know, it seems like once you get over, you know, one hundred and forty feet, you're pretty well protected. You know, we've seen the the like the Ironsides and some of those that are breaking down pretty severely. Yeah. Said so the only passenger to five the sinking was the owner of the of this nineteen twenty seven Chevrolet Coupe automobile automobile visible from one of the ship's side openings. He also owned many of the cattle that went down with the ship. Did they say if the bones of the cows were still there? Uh, I'm not seeing that yet. I would just curious. Yeah, it said, according to the account, the wreck of the written collection of steamboat stories, cattleman Don Wallace had a plan to purchase cattle from farmers on Manitoulin and have them moved to the mainland for sale. And all he bought about 5600 dollars worth and had only about three hundred dollars left in his pocket at the end of the buying spree according to count the cattle were loaded onto the manasu with 115 cows put in four separate pens with just enough room to move around a lone bull was in a separate pen they were brought on the main deck which was about three feet above the water line and all the cargoes estimated to weigh about 60 tons this was wall's first experience with transport of cattle by boat the story collection said he noticed that unlike transportation by railway boxcars where bedding was hay, bedding on the Manasu was sawdust. Pen slats were not nailed to posts. They were tied and knotted with rope to metal 
stanchions and pens had plank slats instead of four or five. He said nothing as he figured the crew knew what they were doing. The storm intensified overnight, battering the Manasu with strong winds and big waves. Since being lengthened by 23 feet in 2004, accounts say cruise members had noticed the Manasu tended to roll more during rough weather on the lake. She listed heavily to port. It quickly became clear that the Manasu was going down. The crew started jumping off the ship, most to their doom. Witnesses say they saw her bow sticking 25 feet in the air when she plunged stern first into the depths of Lake Huron. Which would accounting for the destruction of the stern. Yeah. Yeah, what we're seeing there is it does look like it went down stern first. Uh, I wonder if that might be why the the lifeboat uh, the lifeboats are still on then. Is that took maybe on, it was, took on water during the, the surge and just went down? Yeah, and then they may have been a little bit of protected by the uh the cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the events that followed happened approximately three minutes. Firstly, Captain realized something was very wrong, sent the first mate to blow to f- find out what was happening before the mate got back to the bridge. The captain swung the wheel towards land, hoping to beach the ship on the island before any headway was made. However, the engine stopped. Water pouring in the engine room would put out the fires. The mate, on getting back to deck after seeing the ship was doomed, ordered lifeboats lowered. He This was just started when only one boat was in the water. The old Manasu rolled on her side, slowly reared her bow in the air, and slid stern first to the bottom. It sounds like there was more than that going on. When do you think that indicates that they had they were already taking on water? That quick? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they had probably taken on water. Uh, I don't. It didn't say how big the crew was. Uh, so I'm guessing they had taken on water. Like maybe they were. Uh, you know, this was this. Uh, maybe they. You know the near the props. Yeah. Did so, you take a look at the one picture of it in the rough water pictorial? Uh, let me see. I take that back. That's not, that's on the bottom. That's on the bottom. That's an artist, yeah, that's artist the drawing. Bottom. But you can see what I'm talking but, about. One of the boats is right on the top. And yeah. there's a, and the one of the underwater shops is one off to the side, totally intact. Just sitting there pretty as you please on the bottom. What I'm betting is that it didn't, yeah, you know, it's not on the davits because they said they lowered one. Maybe it was they had started to lower them, mm-hmm. and then they just, you know, they 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 were swamped with the boat and went down. And that picture of the car is really really interesting. Yeah, so we're talking with a wreck that's only been within ninety years. Yeah, yeah, I've been down there. Geez, all that long by Great Lakes standards. Oh. Yeah, trying to look and see what they were. Looks like everybody down there is on rebreathers. In that yeah, one nowadays. Picture. Yeah, I agree. And they sure got enough bottles on no. them. Yep, no bubbles. Oh. Well, you think about it, if you, because two hundred foot down with rebreathers, you can get you can pretty get a good a good bottom time on it. Oh. Yeah. Well, congratulations! And uh, I saw that Kevin had posted in in Facebook and made some comments and. He said, I bet we hear more about this during the year, and I, I agree with him, I think. Oh, yeah, to, yeah. Well, the pictorials are really, about. really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that they're sharing, and they're giving a, you know, a lot of it. Yeah, and, and this article goes on and on. This is a great article. They go into some details. and. Well, that extra article you have under it, third most beautiful shipwreck found, that's the same thing. Yeah. And it yeah. gives you a couple of more perspectives of it. Well, like you see that one, they're showing like this. This one shows a little bit better, where you can see the uh, 
the ship's wheel. And like you yes. said, there, I wonder if that might be just uh, part of the finish on it, that the zebras just aren't as attracted to that. Or I was wondering about that because there are some materials you can paint on certain objects that help inhibit the growth of muscle. Well, you would think about that's also where if you're using that time of wheel, that's where your hands are going. You know, you're, you're, you're pretty much polishing it. Right. And I, I like know, that. Other, did you see the other uh, picture of it on the surface? Looking at the aft end, it's really neat because I show where a couple of the boats were at and how much of that aft end really got collapsed. Crushed. Yeah. yeah it's, that's a significant amount. Yeah, it was going down hard and fast to do that amount of damage. Yeah. Uh, well, once this goes down, the aft engines are just, you know. Yeah, that's true, too. If you, your boilers and everything was probably all in the back. And uh, yeah, a lot of these accents, as tragic as they are, helped improve uh, marine navigation. Uh, you know, they, they now have requirements for stability and vessel design to help reduce that from happening. Yeah. yeah, those are both articles. So if you, uh, good articles, if you uh, follow us on Patreon, which we can certainly use your support, you get early access to the show notes, so you could click on them and, and take a look. And then uh, we also have, uh, it will be posted on our website, thanks to Jim Billings. Now, I, I'm just stopped at a spot in the photo, and if you look, there is something, is that like a aerial antenna? On the, on top? On the top? Yeah, it's kind of like a couple loops there. Uh, hang on a second. Double. I back. I can't. Yeah, it's like they got a close up of the lighthouse of the ship's okay, house. Okay, the... that came off on the bow, I believe, the one you're talking about. If you take uh-huh. a look at, uh, well, when you get to see the actual video, you'll see that. And I was wondering what the hay is that on the front. And I look at it now of the picture when it's on the surface, and I don't see any antenna or any rigging wire going to that one you're talking to one that's on the bow all the way in the front yeah you can see a couple loops no yeah, i'm talking about if it, if on that second article if you go all the way to the top photo and yeah, if you look at the ship field and you look up at they've got the railing above the the cabin all right let me go back to the first you know, i wonder if that was i wonder if that's the uh they got a searchlight i think that was where the searchlight was i'm still looking here yeah, so if if you look at the the black and white photo, and you look at the ship's house, there's something. And you're talking right about where the diver's above. looking at the front, going into it, and you're looking at the tippity top. The, the the one the photo where you see both divers, one on the left, one okay, on the right. Okay, back up. Yeah, it's the article that was on the post.on.ca. Okay, I got you there. You're talking about that item that's straight in the middle. Yeah, so if you look up. at the ship's wheel, and you go straight up, and you see right. the two rails. Right and below then, that first rail, you can see it's like two concentric rings. Oh, coils, coils. And at first, I was wondering if that's an antenna, but I look back on the the drawing, or not the drawing, but the photo of it, um, and I'm thinking that maybe the uh, it looks like there might have been a searchlight on the front of the boat. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that one too. Let me go to the second one that might show it also. So I'm thinking those two rings might be the uh, how the searchlight was attached. Yeah, the second picture shows that better. It's hard to say. I don't see yeah. any controls that would have been, you know, normally you have a, an angular controlled 
go left, right, up or down searchlight, mm-hmm. and there's nothing there that would indicate that. But I, it's a cleaner picture, but still not definitive of what it. Excuse me, what it is. Yeah. So just just something I saw there. So interesting, good find. Hopefully we'll we'll hear some more of it. Oh, I'm sure we will. And then I've got uh, two other articles. One is uh, a photo. It's a series of photos. This is from uh, one of the travel websites out of Australia. It says, breathtaking photo series captured underwater secret sinkhole in Mexico. And uh, it says, Bori said she was fortunate enough that her work, a cave diver videographer for a local dive shop, took her to this location. Uh, felt really lucky to have worked that uh, took me to a place that is this that is very special. Wow. I can't read tonight. Uh, but some amazing photos. Yeah, when you when you do when you dive the same spot many times, it gives you opportunities to say, Yeah, I I would love to do it this way. Interesting. Yeah. A little scary too. Yeah. Well, it always seems to be the camera makes it look darker than it really is. The the second photo you kind of get an idea of what that, you know, really what that's like, where you've got a big giant cavern and the only opening to the top is that little spot. You wonder how far down the opening, the water level is to getting out of the water. I've seen a couple where you have a tripod over it because you can't exit. It's several feet down. Mm -hmm. So the first person in has got to have a couple of, Have to have some uh, intestinal fortitude. Yeah, so uh, if you want to look, way to get out. Yeah, it was uh, the the Quinta Quintana Ru, Mexico, Q U I N T A N A space Ru R O O Mexico, and that's a yeah. Wonder why they call it the secret sinkhole? I don't know. They because it's clickbait. They gotta make you think it's something. You know more than it is. These these aren't secrets. I mean, you could you go down there, you give somebody money, they're going to take you to it. Yeah, it's not really all that secret, but I think they're just trying to evoke. At first, when I saw it, I was thinking they were talking about the the blue hole in Belize. I did too. That was my thought. So excellent photos. Good job. And then uh, there's a video which I haven't had a chance to look at, but. It says, disabled superhuman smashes fastest 10-kilometer scuba diving record. It says, uh, was it uh, F-A-I-S-A-L? Fazal Al-Masawi is a disabled diver and athlete who's proven his physical limitations can't stop him from breaking a Guinness World Records title. The 33-year-old is banned to set a new record for the fastest 10-kilometer Scuba diving in an inspirational five hours and 24 minutes in, oh goodness, Hergada on August 22nd, 2018. He was honored in an event hosted by the Public Authority of the Disabled that took place at 360 Mall in Kuwait with attendance of PAD General Director and many other big characters. It's interesting seeing how other countries will, will write Stories, of course. This is Guinness Book of World Records website. Said so the previous record was in, was achieved by an able-bodied athlete, and Fashal uh, revealed the effort required to take on the challenge. I trained for three months in the pool of the Scientific Club Kuwait, and one month in the open sea. I used twenty-six small air cylinders during my record-breaking dive. 
being a Guinness World Record title holder has been a dream of his for the past 13 years after becoming disabled in a car accident. I achieved the fastest dive for 10 kilometers. I broke the previous record. Although I have a disability today, I believe the disabled can challenge people without disabilities. The care of HA, the Amer for the disabled is encouraging us and we can all have achievements. We can all succeed. And if you see him, he doesn't have legs, which you would think that would be a disadvantage for speed record because we count on our legs to kick with fins. Well, I mean, I can't. He does have legs, but I don't know how they're functioning because they're obviously very atrophied. Yeah, he he can't support himself. And I didn't watch the video. Uh, so I don't know if in the video he... And I can see why he used a small bottle, cut down resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, congratulations for him. I mean, it's an accomplishment, with or without a disability. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the video a little bit. Uh, a huge time with his arms. Shows him uh, in his training. Uh, let's see what else I can see. Now, is he kind of doing like a dolphin kick? That's what I want to look at here. Yeah, because he has people who swim near him as he's doing that, and it looks like they bring the bottles up and down to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost looks like a dolphin kick but it's mostly with the hands and he has almost like the web gloves, a little bit of the oh, web okay. gloves. Uh, they brought me okay. food and water and fresh water while he's doing it. He also has a float attached to a backpack so he can't sink. That's what it looks like. It also makes sense. That way they're really keeping track of him. Yeah, the video is actually very good. I'd like to dive that place. Yeah, now, a lot of these. You, you need to take a look at the video. It's pretty nice. Yeah, when when I when I get a connection or I won't kill it. Yeah. I'll go ahead go ahead and do that. Yeah, that part of the world's got some amazing water to dive in. Well, that does it for scuba in the news this week. Uh, let's see, I don't know. Do we have anybody who got in the water this last week? I don't think I heard anybody who was getting anything in. I know they had something planned and it didn't go. Uh, but they're looking, since we're not having the uh, turkey dive, Bob is out there trying to get some uh, people who want to go dive in. It's like, where do you guys want to go? And I think Rob talked about, I think she can make it. He wants to check out a suit. So it looks like maybe we're going to have some people in the water. That... Do you have a location maybe where they're going? It, it didn't post yet. Okay. I'm sure that like anything else, we always say, check into Facebook, find out where we're going to be. Well, as much as I hate to have the uh, turkey dive canceled, that does save me a little bit of time this weekend. I had some honeydew list projects. I can't think of how many years it's been since we've not had one. I keep thinking it. I can't remember not having one. Well, since I've been with the club, you've certainly had it. And I would have to say, because didn't it originate that there was a dive shop that had a an annual dive called the turkey dive? Mm-hmm. And then we just continued it on once they stopped doing it? That's correct, and I, I'm trying to remember how long that's been, but it has been at least 20 years. <laughs> well, the thing about the turkey dive is, like, I, I was at my parents' house, and I don't normally watch the local news. There is really nothing going on. I mean, how many times can you interview Black Friday shoppers in line? So with this being a slow news weekend, other than people hurting themselves themselves, 
on the roads. Uh, I think we were <laughs> something for them to cover because it seemed like we were in the news quite a few times, including uh, up to the time where we found a body. And that's why we would have had uh, coverage this time had we had it. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman with the radio station asked when we're going to do it. Yeah. And not doing it this year, well, now he doesn't have coverage. Yeah. So, But I do know. have a safety item. Okay, go ahead. Uh, this one's called um, Fail to Plan, Plan to Fail. And this is part of that Lessons for Life series we're going through. And uh, I'll start from this. This video was going to go viral, and Elaine was sure of it. Using small, wide-angle cameras, she was recording the port side of a shipwreck. Her buddy Matthew was doing the same on the starboard side. They had already planned to edit their videos together, giving viewers a stereo look at the shipwreck. Ling was two-thirds of the way to the stern, nearly 150 feet down, when she realized she was almost out of air. The diver. At 47 years old, Elaine was in good shape. Dived at least once a month, if not more. Had a passion for underwater photography and video graphics. Both Elaine and Matthew had dove wrecks for several years and each logged hundreds of dives together and separately. The dive. The conditions were perfect when the boat arrived at the dive site. There was a slight current on the surface. And during the briefing, the dive master said this site typically had a stronger on the bottom. He recommended they stay sheltered behind the structure so they wouldn't be fighting the current throughout the dive. He also advised Elaine and Matthew to stay on the ship's upper structure and watch their depth. The wreck uh, rested on sand at more than 160 feet with a deck at 148. The dive boat tied off to a permanent mooring buoy. Elaine and Matt decided to stay close to the deck and agreed they would each film one side of the ship so they could edit their footage together afterwards. That way the viewers could feel as if they were lying low across the ship and see both sides of the wreck at once. To keep the audio as clear as possible, Elaine and Matthew agreed to turn off their dive computer alarms. They didn't want to record annoying beeping sounds. The accident. The current crossed direct from port to starboard, putting Elaine directly in the She had to fight harder to stay close to the deck. Elaine had been at depth 16 minutes when she realized she was out of air. She looked for Matthew, but he was on the opposite side of the ship's bridge, completely out of sight. There was no way she she was going to get to him in time. Her only thought was getting back to the anchor and the surface. In a panic, Elaine swam directly for the surface and angled towards the anchor line. She reached the line at 60 foot below the surface and met up with the dive master. He realized Elaine was in trouble and tried to give her air from his alternate air source, but she refused his help. She was disoriented. The dive master brought Elaine up the anchor line, still trying to get her to take the alternate air source. They reached the surface. Elaine lost consciousness. The boat crew got her on board, began resuscitation efforts, but they were unsuccessful. Matthew surfaced a few minutes later without incident. The analysis. It would be easy to say that Elaine died because she ran out of air and didn't have an emergency plan in place. Panic also played a part. Upon realizing she was out of air, Elaine made a poor choice that ultimately killed her, but neither conclusion tells the entire story. This accident began at the planning stage. Elaine and Matthew had spent time discussing their video plan, but not their dive plan. They did not have an emergency protocol in place. Even though they were dive buddies, they planned to be separated and 
not positioned to help each other in an emergency. A number of mistakes were made on the dive. For the production of this type of video, Elaine and Matthew should have taken the same precautions professional videographers use, meaning two teams of divers and placing safety divers in the water who would have stayed shallow and kept an eye on both teams. Elaine and Matthew had none of these. Elaine and Matthew also exceeded the recommended depth, failed to plan for the depth properly by using appropriate breathing gas mixtures and cylinders with increased gas capacity. They also intentionally separated, making a solo dive during their deepest interval. However, neither diver had an independent spare air or pony bottle, and neither had training in solo diving. Finally, Elaine and Matthew turned off the dive computer alarms, which would have warned Elaine she was getting low on air, and that sealed her fate. An autopsy was not performed. It is most likely an air embolism. As Elaine was ascending, she did not exhale adequately, causing the lungs and her or air in the lungs to expand and make its way to her brain. This would have caused a confusion and stroke-like symptoms and a refusal to take the octopus or bailout system from the dive master. Like most dive accidents of this nature, this death was tragic but also avoidable. Lessons for life, plan the dive. Plan not only what to do on the dive, but how to make it happen safely. Two was, in this case especially, stay with your buddy, or if you can't stay close enough, receive aid. Make sure you're trained as a solo diver and carry the equipment you need to care for yourself. Third, pay attention. Don't get so wrapped up in videography, wreck exploration, or whatever else you're doing to forget the basics of monitoring your depth, your time, and always breathing gas supply. Can't argue with that. No. I, and the first question, when I, I, you know, other than the fact that you're reading it at this, uh, this part of the show, where you always know that uh, something's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but when I heard the depth, I'm thinking, they, you, you better have a gas plan. Well, I, Cause can't, I, cause I can't imagine without a bailout. Well, I mean, our, our policy would be to have a bailout even at a shallower depth. Oh yeah, but that's, but that's a fairly deep wreck, and you know I've done like the Ironsides on an eighty, and if you look at the dive tables for a, a hundred twenty feet, you don't have what a minute or two of bottom time, so I don't know how they even plan that dive to to think you could have gone down and then swam along it. You know, maybe if you were doing a drift dive and you were planning on doing a free ascent on the other end. Well, but, if she was out of air in 16 minutes, 16 at 160 is way past deco. Yeah. Yeah, she she should have been, she would have been in deco for a while. So, just thinking about that, how could they have possibly even thought about that? I I don't know. I And did they did it say where this dive was? Is it in tropical clear water? No, it did not. Yeah, cuz usually when I hear about this, it's usually, you know, and it said that they had quite a bit of divers and, you know, it's a, it's a tragedy, so we're not making light of it. But a lot of times if you are going to places where it's really clear, you kind of don't quite get the sense of the depth of what you're diving on. You know, it looks so clear, you know, when, you, yeah, yeah. when we're, when we're diving at 160 feet, unless we're in a, you know, once a year ideal conditions, we can't see the surface. You get, 
there's many times we're 40 feet down and you can't see the surface. So you feel like you're going down. So I don't know. Maybe they just didn't realize how deep it, deep it was. I am. Well, they knew how deep it was. Well, he, the guy he did, told them, you know, it's 148 to the structure, 160 foot to the bottom. Yeah, and they were planning on staying, you know, a little bit above. So say it was 135. I mean, that's still, that's deep. You're you're going through gas pretty quick. Right. And again, how long can you stay at 120 feet without deco? Yeah. And if you're going to have deco, then you're going to have extra tanks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So if you're diving on an aluminum 80. Well, it, she ran out of gas about where I would think you would run out of gas, unfortunately. Well, I'm surprised the other guy didn't. But, again, they said she worked harder because the stream yeah. of flow was at her. But still, yeah. it seems like the other gentleman should have had some deco. Yeah. Uh, I mean, First sometimes. 15, 16 minutes. His was 20. Well, it, yeah. it just seems like better planning. Uh, yeah. And, and sometimes with a dive computer, yeah, it's going to give you the an optimistic up you know, a uh, dive profile. So maybe you go down and as you're coming up, it's seeing that you're, you're starting to off gas and you eventually have a less time. Well, it's, it's something to learn by. So if it's much better to learn from other people's mistakes than make the same mistake yourself. So, yeah, uh, you know, we covered all this in just about the right time, about an hour, didn't we? Yeah. Yoo-hoo. Yeah. It's uh, I'd say it'd be time to eat some more Turkey. <laughs> I st- actually I got some uh, chocolate over here sitting in front of me. Chocolate. I have, res- I have resisted the urge to nibble while we were talking. Yeah, chocolate. I've actually that's what I've been hungry f- for all day. Uh, well, you mom, know, candy corn. Do you like candy corn? I, I I can take it or leave it, and it's not something I should. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to severely cut down on any sugars or. Well, this was candy chocolate. corn M Ms. <laughs> candy corn M Ms. Yes. So it's an M M&M and M. It's a mixture shape. of M M&M and M of the of the flavors of candy corn. So if you put the two in your mouth, it's like you're eating candy corn, but it's chocolate candy corn. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm, I, it's too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I've I've got a joke for this week. If you're ready, I am ready. Yep. And I'll have to uh, apologize since we don't have anybody online. They're not going to be insulted. The final version will have a beep in it, so ah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll make sure it's uh, correct. And I'm I'm getting that point now where I have to take my glasses off. Uh, so a nun walked into Mother Superior's office and plunked down in a chair. She let out a sigh, heavy with frustration. What troubles you, Sister? Asked Mother Superior. I thought this is the day you spent with your family. It was, sighed the Sister, and I went to play golf with my brother. You know, I was quite a talented golfer before I devoted my life to God. I seem to recall that, Mother Superior agreed. So your day of recreation was not relaxing? Far from it, snorted the sister. In fact, I even took the Lord's name in vain today. Goodness, sister, gasped Mother Superior. You must tell me all about it. Well, we were on the fifth tee, and this hole's a monster, Mother. At 540 yards, par five, a nasty dog leg to the left, hidden green, I hit the drive of my life. The sweetest swing I ever made. It was flying straight and true right along the line I wanted, and it hit a bird in mid-flight, not a hundred yards off the tee. Oh, my, commiserated the mother. How unfortunate. But surely that didn't make you blasphemy, sister. No, it wasn't, admitted the sister. While I was still trying to fathom what had happened, this squirrel ran out of the woods, grabbed my ball, and ran down the fairway. 
Oh, that would have made me blasphemy, sympathized Mother Superior. But I did, Mother Superior, sobbed the sister. I was so proud of myself while I was pondering whether this was a sign from God. This hawk swooped down, grabbed the squirrel, flew off. My ball still clutched in the squirrel's paws. So that's when you curse, said Mother with a knowing smile. Nope, it wasn't it either, cried Sister Anguished. As a hawk started to fly out of sight, the squirrel started struggling, and the hawk dropped down right on the green. The ball popped out of the squirrel's paws, rolled about 18 inches from the cup. Mother Superior sat abruptly back in her chair, folded her arms across her chest, fixed the sister in a baleful stare, and said, You missed a f***ing putt, didn't you? I knew that was coming up. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> oh, that'll be a good one. Oh, That's good. <laughs> I could just see that, yeah, too. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Where'd you get that one? That one was from Rod. So, uh, oh. yeah, he's... He, 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 Looks to be doing a little bit better, so uh, hang in there, Rod. We appreciate the joke. And I've got a couple other. That was I've good. had uh, two or three that people sent me this week. So, uh, you know, I'll be going back through those. So thank you. If you've got jokes, send them off to us. If you want to give us feedback at the show, it's uh, the show at Scuba Obsessed. We're on Facebook at Scuba Obsessed. And as always, we appreciate you listening. And hopefully you and your family had a great holiday. And until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe.